Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You probably have a pension, but have you got a retirement plan? This is a question that's being asked around the country as part of Financial Planning Week, an annual event aimed at improving the financial fitness of savers and investors. The theme of this year's event is retirement planning, and as part of the initiative, thousands of certified planners are offering a free hour-long session to people wanting help with setting their financial goals. Welcome to The Money Show, the FT's weekly podcast on personal finance and investing. I'm James Pickford, Deputy Editor of FT Money. And this week, we have a special show on Financial Planning Week, explaining what it's all about and how you might benefit. First, to Josephine Cumbo, the FT's pensions correspondent. Joe, can you tell us more about Financial Planning Week and what our listeners may hope to get out of it? Well, Financial Planning Week is an event which is held every year with the aim of raising awareness of financial planning and what it can offer individuals. Now, in the UK, even though we like to have a plan, not many people like to go and see a financial planner to get one sorted. Only one in 10 adults are getting financial advice on investments and saving into a pension or retirement planning. But the Financial Conduct Authority believes around 18 million people could probably do with some advice because they've got either £10,000 in savings or investment. So there definitely is a gap and um, and a need out there for people to actually go and speak to a planner. Okay, so why has retirement planning been selected as the theme this year? Well, this year there's just been an enormous amount of interest this year and over the past four years. In pensions, they've really risen up the the public policy agenda generally, and that's because of workplace pensions, automatic enrolment now. There's 10 million people saving into a workplace pension, so the, the actual numbers of people who've got pensions has increased enormously. And also the pension freedoms of several years ago have generated a lot of interest in people getting their hands on their pension cash. So there's a lot of interest in pensions, but not so much focus and discussion on getting a plan for those pensions. Hence, it is considered the missing step and the focus of this year's Financial Planning Week. Now, obviously, you write a lot about pensions for the FT, but uh, I think there's, uh, there are other reasons why this uh, this year's uh, theme resonated uh, a little more with you. Yes, I, in my column of last week, I made the confession that um, I have been covering pensions for seven years here at the FT, but I don't have a retirement plan. <gasps> <laughs> shock. <laughs> shock, horror. Um, I guess it's one of those things that I consider and have been so focused on making sure that my pensions are adequately funded that I haven't really thought about 
what I'm going to do with them or when mm. I'm going to take them. But now the decisions about when I can take my pensions and how I take them are far more complex. I've decided that, yes, it's time to bite the bullet. And I think the trigger really has been um, Financial Planning Week, where you can get a free session with a financial planner for an hour, just as a taster to get you going and thinking about getting a plan together. Fantastic. Well, um, thanks for that, Joe. Joining us also in the studio is Jackie Lockie, uh, Head of Financial Planning with the CISI, the Chartered Institute for Securities and Investment, uh, which has organised this year's event. Jackie, thanks very much for coming in. My pleasure. Um, you've heard Joe's story. Does that sound uh, all too familiar? Yes, a very, very common story. You're not alone, Joe, not at all. Um, yeah, one of the reasons why we wanted to to focus on retirement planning this year for F Financial Planning Week is really because, you know, as we, Joe and I have been talking, it's not just about pensions, but it's about standing back and saying, OK, what kind of assets have I got? What plans can I make for when I stop my full-time work? Um, and so that's really one of been the main main focuses of the thrust of Financial Planning Week this week. Mm. So, so that's the core difference between pension planning and retirement planning. Are there any other ways in which these two exercises differ? Yeah. So, pension planning is a lot to do with you know the the regulations around that particular product. Um, so, looking at uh, how much can I pay in, depending on how much you earn, the type of job you do the type of pension that you might be able to start if you don't have one already. Um, I think a lot of people are aware already have an auto-enrolment type pension, um, which I think is a really positive thing. But it's really about engagement, that retirement planning is more than just paying money into your pension. It's about thinking, OK, well, when I stop work, what do I want to do with that money? How do, So I can save now and how do I want to make it work for me up until the day I stop working and then I go into my retirement doing all of my extra things? One of my favourite phases is, um, so if you can imagine that, okay, we're not retired at the moment. Imagine today you're retired and it's a rainy Tuesday afternoon. Um, what are you doing? Are you sitting watching Midsummer Murders with a cup of tea or are, can you plan? Kite surfing. Kite surfing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes. All of those kinds of things. <laughs> are there things that are on your wish list that you could do in your retirement? And, and it's all, so it's all about stepping back and thinking, okay, a pension is one of the mechanisms that can help you do those things. Mm. And what would you expect to happen during this hour? Uh, so, you go and see a financial planner and they will ask you about your life goals, about things that you want to achieve, things perhaps that you might have anticipated achieving to date that you haven't had chance to. Um, they will look at your pensions and other investments to help you start to take those steps along the way to achieve whatever it is that you want to. But it's a very individual process. You know, we all have different wishes and wants out of life. So it's about having your own space and time to think about what it is that you want and then the planner can start putting you on the right path to get you there. Mm, great. I mean, it does seem to me that there's quite a big conversation and the cynic in me suggests that, 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 uh, that that's going to take more than an hour and therefore is there a, a, an extent to which this is an elaborate way of, of financial planners you know, making a lot of money, make, uh, making more money? Yeah, well, 
sometimes it does take more than an hour. And actually, what's been fantastic for our financial planners that have given their time freely is that so many of them have given a lot more than an hour to help people along their way. Quite often, what happens is that um, members of the public will call, arrange a time to call and speak to a planner. Um, they might speak about half an hour for uh, and explain their situation, particular issues that they might have or questions they want answered. And then quite often, the planner will say, right, come and see me, let's sit down, bring in all these things or send them away, do a bit of homework, then bring everything to a meeting. And then there might be follow-up actions that, that go on between the planner and the client afterwards. And what, How would you go about choosing an advisor? Are there different things to look out for? Yeah, definitely. There are things to look out for. Um, on our Wayfinder website, we have a top 10 questions that we recommend that the public download when they go and see somebody for the first time. Things like, you know, you've got to be comfortable with a relationship that you're going to have with that particular advisor. Um, how the financial planner is going to get paid, what kind of service they can offer you and get it down in very bite-sized chunks so you know at every step of the way exactly what that path is laid out in front of you so you can choose to dip in or out if you want to. How are they paid generally? Is it flat fee? Is it a percentage of assets? Yeah, so it varies. Those are the two most common. Um, a lot of, depending or, 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 on... Is either one of them more common than the other? Yeah, so at the moment, it's normally a percentage of assets under management. So they would take all of your assets, put them on a sort of wrap platform and then charge you a percentage of the total value, excluding cash emergency funds and your house. And you can do it as a one-off? deal or yeah. can you do you are you signing up to an ongoing relationship yeah you're there's no obligation at all so you're you're not signing up for anything you can go along um you can talk to somebody about your your wants and your dreams and they can help start putting things in motion for you if you want to leave it there it's there's completely no obligation to continue if you want to some people will think actually you know they benefited from that relationship and they want to continue that relationship that is entirely between the that member of the public and but I suppose my question is, if you do decide to continue that relationship, is it generally on an ongoing basis? Or can you say, I'd like another session and then I would like to end it there? Yeah, so... It, again, it depends on that particular company and the okay. way that their business model is based. There are certainly a number of financial planners out there that will say, OK, um, we can help you validate things along the way if you want to and perhaps do a plan, you know, want a one-off plan or perhaps one plan every year or two, depending on what your circumstances are. You know, some people don't have a lot of investable assets. So they might have, as, as Joe was just saying earlier, they might have a lot of money in their pension but you don't have a lot of investable assets outside the pension. Um, so you might not necessarily need a plan, you know, on, on that regular basis. You might have one, you know, every three years or every five years. And then as you accumulate other assets, then you might start to have one a bit more regularly. Mm. Thank you very much indeed, Jackie. I'd now like to bring in Patrick Connolly, a certified financial planner at Chase Devere. Um, Patrick, you've been advisor for many years. Um, how has the concept of retirement and the needs of people when looking for a retirement plan changed over the years? Um, the starting point is, is that people's perceptions have been changing. In the past, most people just thought they could rely on the state and perhaps their employer and really didn't need to do much else. People were in final salary pension schemes and there was a perception that the state pension would give them a comfortable standard of living in retirement. There's clearly been a lot of awareness to suggest that's not the case. We've seen the launch of auto-enrolment, which people have been aware of, so more and more people are investing into pensions. We're seeing state pension ages rising and potentially continuing to rise as well. And people realise are, are realising, probably still not enough, but are realising more that they need to do something. And in terms of 
sort of retirement planning and how people retire, that's been changing as well. Previously, most people got to their state pension age, retired, took their state pension, took their company pension scheme, and that's it. Um, the situation is different now. Um, pensions are far more flexible. Uh, we've seen the introduction of pension freedoms in 2015, which helps with that. As Jackie alluded to, it isn't typically just a pension that people have as well. They may have other assets, they may have other savings, they may have property. And so they've got lots of other um, areas and assets that they can use to retire. And if they've planned ahead properly, they're in a better position to make their own decisions in terms of how and when they want to retire. We find far more people now who are retiring gradually rather than in one hit. Or if they've planned properly, they can retire before they hit state pension age, which is obviously preferable as the pension age continues to rise. You mentioned the pension freedoms making things more flexible for people, which obviously they do in, mm-hmm. in a certain sense. But equally, there are uh, new limits to or limits over the over the last few years to the allowances that people get for when making pension contributions. Has has that? Uh, the, the, you know the limits on um, pension tax, pension tax relief uh, for higher rate mm-hmm. taxpayers yep. has that made it more complicated for people to try and make sense of their pension planning of their retirement planning? Is that another factor which drives people uh, to ask these questions? There, there are. I think we're looking at two different aspects there. In, in terms mm. of the reduction in pension allowances, obviously that affects certain types of people, and they need to then take a step back and say, right then. I'm not necessarily able to put as much as I want into a pension tax efficiently. They then need to weigh up. And and these are complicated um, decisions to make, which is why there is an extra need for them to take advice. They need to weigh up whether it's still sensible for them to invest more into a pension, even potentially going above the allowances, or whether they should be looking more at investing in other ways, whether that's other tax-efficient wrappers, whether that's ISAs, or for those willing to take the risk, things like VCTs and um, venture capital trusts and enterprise investment schemes, or whether they need to look at areas that are perhaps not as tax-efficient, but but more suitable for them. The pensions freedom side is is different because really that affects everybody. Mm -hmm. So that affects people who may be a long way short of hitting the allowances, but you're right because it still gives more choice, which is great, but more complication, which is not so great. And potentially many people are looking at pension freedoms the wrong way. They're looking at it as a way where they can access their pension rather than looking at a way that their pension will provide them an income for the rest of their lives and are perhaps making choices and not understanding the risk without getting advice. And and too many people are doing that. There was a recent survey from the Financial Conduct Authority which said about a third of people that go into drawdown, which is where your pension stays invested and you would withdraw money from it, is about a third of people are going into there without taking financial advice. Mm. Now, without a doubt, some people who are doing that are making the wrong choices and, and are not understanding the risk that they're taking. Can you give us a, a couple of concrete examples of the sorts of problems that people come to you with? Um, lots of problems at different ages. I, I mean, uh, an issue that we're seeing far more now than we saw previously is people tend to have more pension products, more pension funds than they had before. So if we go back to previous generations, people stayed in the one job for longer. They perhaps have one at the most two, but probably still only one company pension scheme. Now people move around more. They may have a little bit of a final salary pension over here, a little bit of a um, defined contribution pension over there. And the challenge then is, is what to do with them whether to keep them separate, whether there are reasons to move them, whether there are reasons not to move them. The problem is that it becomes difficult then for people to keep a track of exactly what they've got. And even understanding what they've got, it's really difficult for people to then make sense of what that provides for them. 
So we may see a client who has a pension of 50,000. We may see a client who has a pension of 100,000. We may see a client who has a pension of 500,000. They all sound like big numbers to people, but actually what does that going to provide for you and, and how long will it last? So there are, there are challenges in terms of pensions have got more complicated. There are far more of them, but actually what do they do with them as well is, is, is a bigger challenge in pension freedom. Yes, more choice but actually has added to that complexity. And so when you're setting up a meeting with someone to, to have this discussion, what, what do they need to bring with them? Yeah, we, we will always warn people in advance to let them know, warn's probably the wrong word, but I'll use it anyway, <laughs> <laughs> to, to let them know the sort of questions that we're going to be asking them, to let them know that we're going to be asking them about their, um, their spending and their savings and their investments and their pensions and all of these things. And we'll ask them to bring all of the documentation related to their savings and investments and mortgages and, and the like as well. So we've got that handy. Because if you haven't got that handy and there's important information that's missing, then that delays. You may then need to arrange a second meeting or even, in some cases, even cut short the first meeting because you haven't got, got everything you need. What we also tell people in advance as well is to think about their priorities because a lot of people really don't think, what do I want? Yes, I want to retire in the future and, and be well up, but when do you want to retire? What do you need? So we, we get people to give some thought to that in advance so we, they can see what's important to them and then we'll sit down with them and we've got the basis then of, of a proper discussion. Mm. I was asking Jackie about charges. Um, what would be the framework if you've got this uh, charge on assets under management percentage? Yep, what, yep. what sort of percentage are we talking about or does it vary? It, it varies. I mean, I mean, Jackie was was absolutely correct in terms of how you look for and find an advisor. Um, the starting point, I, I would suggest, is what level of service do you want are you looking for one-off advice? Are you looking for ongoing advice? Do you want to sit across from somebody face-to-face? -face? Are, are you happy to do that remotely by email, by phone? Um, and also, there are different types of advisors as well. There are independent financial advisors and restricted advisors as well. So all of these go in, into the pot um, and can also determine how, um, how much you pay in charges. In terms of percentage charges... Typically, and, and Jackie may c correct me on this because they'll look across the industry, but, but typically the average for an annual charge will be somewhere in the region of about 0.75 or to 1%. Yeah, that's about right, yeah. yeah. Mm. So, Jackie, final question. How do you actually go about booking one of these uh, uh Yeah, so um, it's free to book. You go on to the CISI website, so it's cisi.org, um, and go on to the Financial Planning Week page and uh, follow the links, and it will take you to uh, a map where you can select somebody in your local area or wherever part of the country you may be visiting, perhaps, um, and then make contact directly um, with that individual and arrange for a meeting. Thank you very much, Jackie, Patrick and Joe. Um, that's all from The Money Show this week. If you've got a story you'd like the FT Money team to follow up or a question to pose to our team of financial experts, get in touch. Email us money at ft.com, tweet us at ftmoney or comment on our articles online at ft.com slash money. We'll be back next Thursday at the usual time. Goodbye. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc., Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.